The lower end is just completely neglected. Nobody is teaching the fundamentals. The universities aren't teaching it. Um, and a lot of the channel management and a lot of stuff at the channel partners is happening where people simply fall into the channel profession. And that's not good enough. And we need to start, in fact, it's not a profession. We need to make it a profession. There's an institute for everything from uh, marketing, content marketing, digital marketing, but there's nothing for the channel business profession. Welcome to Channel Journeys, the podcast for channel professionals that will enable and inspire you to create your best channel journey ever. Meet and learn from channel experts who share authentic stories of their channel victories, defeats, and lessons learned along the way. Here's your host, Rob Speed, a channel chief on a never-ending quest for channel knowledge and adventure. Hey, channel pros. This is your host, Rob Spee. Welcome to Episode 7 of Channel Journeys. The teaser you heard at the beginning comes from Mike Kelly, today's guest, who is the founder of the Channel Institute. You can probably tell that Mike is Irish. What you probably don't know is that he is also an outdoor adventurer with some amazing stories to tell. I almost used the clip of his story about flying over Victoria Falls as a teaser for today's podcast. It is such a fantastic tale that you don't want to miss. People often ask me why I launched the Channel Journeys podcast, and this interview with Mike Kelly highlights one of the key things I want to accomplish— there's been a common theme in my conversations over the years with other channel pros around channels being the redheaded stepchild, right? We all hear that. We have experienced it in many organizations. Well, Mike and I, we share a common goal, and that is to turn channels into a profession by sharing knowledge and transferring skills to folks who end up in channel roles, often by accident or just blind luck. This is such a great episode. It has adventure, entrepreneurial audacity, and a big, hairy goal. So let's get started with Mike Kelly's channel journey. Here we go. Hey, Mike Kelly. Good morning, or actually, I should say good afternoon for you in, in Ireland, right? Absolutely. Good afternoon and good morning, Rob. How are you? <laughs> I am fantastic. How are you doing? Great, great. Thanks. Welcome to the Channel Journeys podcast, uh, which we are just getting going. So very glad to have you on as one of our early participants. Well, thanks for inviting me. Yes, I've been uh, following the progress and it's very exciting. So delighted to join you. Excellent. Excellent. Are you uh, in Dublin? I am. I'm in Dublin. And uh, for any of your uh, followers who have been here, I can confirm there are actual blue skies in Dublin today. Well, that's fantastic. You're doing better than we are in Atlanta here where we were promised sun, but uh, I'm not seeing it yet. Okay. Well, it's, I guess it's come over this way. We're due more than you guys. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I was in Dublin. When was it? Last year. Um, lovely city. I'd love to get back there. It's a fun place. And, you know, all of the major tech companies have uh, European headquarters or some sort of um, uh, large presence here. So it's an exciting place to be. Excellent. And that's where you grew up? It certainly is. Yes, I did live in the States for uh, a couple of years and lived in Australia and I've traveled all about. But Dublin's my home and this is where my, my family is and I am now. Okay, great. Well, let's get to know you a little bit and your Dublin heritage. So with a couple lightning round questions, what is your favorite food or drink? <laughs> well, I'm afraid the drink is an easy one and you can guess what it is. It's black and it has a creamy white head. Uh, so no need to mention the brand. Um, 
And uh, favorite food, that is a difficult one. Um, you know, right now, let me say game pie. I'm into my game, such as venison and pheasant and so on, because it's, it's winter here. Oh, my daughter would love that. She, she loves meat pies. And I took her to London for the first time last year, and she found some great ones. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, it's not everyone's uh, cup of tea, um, but it certainly is mine. Excellent, excellent. Okay, you mentioned living a few different places. What has been the most interesting place that you've lived in or visited? Ouch. Um, the list is long. You know, I'll probably have to go to my default story that I tell in a pub. Uh, I, I was uh, traveling on my way to Australia, and uh, I guess this is going back 25 years, and I was in Zimbabwe. Um, and I took uh, one of those joyride flights uh, over Victoria Falls, the sightseeing ones in, a, in one of those small planes. And to cut long story short, it was just me and the pilot in this plane and the propeller was wooden and it had rotted and it blew off. No. And we crash landed into the jungle. It was like something from the movie Out of Africa, if anyone has ever seen that. Uh, but we nearly, uh, we nearly became part of Victoria Falls. Um, but thankfully that the pilot <laughs> steered us to safety safety and uh, uh, we were rescued about eight hours later. So that was a close call and that was uh, uh, certainly an incident I was delighted to walk away from. Okay, so you have topped the list already of the most exciting adventure. That is incredible. <laughs> well, uh, there's a few more like that, but uh, look, I'm still here and that's good. Man, that, I think that's a whole separate podcast to hear about that story. <laughs> yeah, let's not go down that route. Well, I at least want to meet you in a pub and hear all about it. <laughs> Wow, that is a story. Excellent. I've done a lot of flying. My dad was a pilot, but uh, fortunately never crashed. Okay, well, you know, the, here you go. This is your chance. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> Thanks a lot. So I, I already know what your best adventure is, or one of the adventures. What, um, what do you really like doing when you're not working? What, what are your sports or hobbies? Um, well, I've got a, I've got a one year old little boy, so he's taking up a lot of time these days. Um, but you know, I'm, I, I guess I, I just love outdoor sports. Um, my, the sport I uh, played growing up was rugby, rugby union, and I still follow that a lot. Um, but in terms of my sports I do now, I do a lot of sea kayaking. I've done a lot of mountaineering. I've climbed a few of the seven summits and, and a few other um, serious things in the Alps and, and around the world. Uh, I've run seven marathons, um, uh, do a bit of surfing, a bit of skiing, play a bit of tennis. So you name it, as long as I'm outdoors, uh, I'm up for it. That is fantastic. What's the tallest summit that you've climbed? Aconcagua uh, over in Argentina. That's a, just under 7,000 meters. Wow. So you're getting into some serious stuff then. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, well, it was that and a few other mountains that made me decide, you know, this is probably about as far as I want to go. I like having the use of my hands and feet, so maybe I should go and run a marathon instead. You're not going for Everest? I don't think so. Certainly my, my wife's not going to allow that happen anytime soon. So no, no, maybe in the next life. I was just listening to a guy who ended up kind of solo climbing the top of, to the top of Everest. His Sherpa couldn't even keep up with him. And uh, some, doesn't, it's painful. Uh, there, there's some crazy stuff going on these days and, and with solo. And, you know, I, I don't know, there's so many people going up Everest and you read the stories about, you know, fellas climbing over dead bodies and, and, and leaving people to die. And that's just not my, not my, not what I would think is a, a good thing to <laughs> use your spare time doing. No, I love adventure, but that's not part of it. <laughs> I try to avoid that. Yeah, exactly. 
Well, let's get into your channel journey. So I, I looked at your LinkedIn profile. I saw that you uh, went to school uh, in Dublin and when you at Trinity College. And back then when you were getting your bachelor's, what were you thinking? What did you want to do at that time? You know, it was very simple. Since the age I was 13, I, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to start my own businesses. Uh, my dad was an entrepreneur. And, you know, of course, that's always an influence. Um, and that was the reason I chose marketing. Uh, I, I knew I wanted to go into business. And marketing seemed like a really strong way that if you could find a way to um, identify demand or create demand, and if you could find a way to really create value, um, then that would open up a huge amount of opportunities. And then when I was in college, there's a, a, um, what's called a, a green card lottery, or there was uh, back in those days, where you could get a, um, a green card for the, the US. Um, and I was lucky enough to win that. So I went and, and uh, worked in uh, Boston for uh, a couple of years and uh, ended up working in a, um, a marketing agency over there that focused on the tech sector. Uh, met my, my former business partner, David English, there. Uh, we subsequently started TSL Marketing, um, which again was a, a technology marketing agency, but ended up doing a lot of work uh, and still does uh, in the channel. Uh, around the world. Um, and then uh, I've spent a long time with TSL and I decided um, about seven years ago that I wanted to move on and maybe move more into the consulting space. Um, and that's when I founded Ridge Consulting. Um, so did some really interesting work uh, with a lot of the, the major tech companies, again, on a global scale um, and purely in the channel. I'm doing working with um, either their internal channel teams or with their business partners around things like business strategy development, marketing strategy development, um, uh, also around uh, marketing planning. And also around that time, I took a course which is not so well known in North America, but is in Europe, which is called Chartered Director. Uh, it's really seen as the gold standard for business strategy. I guess it's seen uh, as a level above MBA um, because you, you have to have a lot of um, company director uh, experience and governance experience in order to qualify. Um, so that was a that was a really interesting piece, and and that's what eventually led me into Channel Institute. So I'm curious. I saw that Charter Director certificate that you had. Is was that more for your own benefit in running your own business, or so that you could be more impactful in your consulting? You know, there were three reasons I took it. Um, certainly for my own businesses. Uh, when when myself and David started uh, TSL Marketing, we were in our mid-20s and that was pre, you know, dot-com. Uh, so we were quite young and, and TSL grew fast. You know, we, we went up over 300 employees in, in a, a short few years uh, and that was globally. And uh, I certainly didn't have the governance uh, and um uh, other leadership experience than I would have liked. So in hindsight, I thought that would be really helpful going forward. It's also um, was something that I knew would feed into um, the consulting work that we were doing with the um, the high potential business partners at Ridge Consulting's clients. And then thirdly, um, I do 
and I'm actively looking at uh, getting more involved with some charities and the charities need a lot of governance um, assistance and the charter director is seen as, uh, you know, what needs to be on their board of directors. Very interesting. Is that a, a like a one-year course? How long does that take? It's two years uh, and, and extremely intensive. So uh, a lot of the um, the chief execs and chairman of publicly quoted companies uh, take that course. Um, so it's 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 quite strenuous. It's a great way of meeting people who are highly motivated and high achievers. Um, but yeah, it was it was tough. So let's see that. That course you did after you got your MBA. It's actually after an MA. I did just a, a Master of Arts. Master I didn't do of an M- Yeah, I didn't do an MBA. It just wasn't a direction I wanted to go. Uh, in fact, that's the reason I did the chartered. Uh, I felt it would be more valuable, really. Yeah, it sounds a little bit like an MBA, the way you're describing it, but more uh, leadership yeah. focused. Yeah, I guess a little more advanced than an MBA is how yeah. it seemed. Yeah, excellent, excellent. So what was the inspiration for the Channel Institute? What led you to that dream? Well, Rich Consulting provides um, both consulting and training workshops in the Channel. And we were doing a lot of um, face-to-face workshops with channel managers, but also with channel partners uh, for a lot of the major tech companies. And what we found was there was an enormous gap um, that our clients at these tech companies were overestimating the abilities of everybody coming on our courses, which meant that a lot of what we were teaching was going straight over their heads and they really Mm. weren't getting the value from it. And it was becoming very frustrating. And we went back to the VPs at our clients and said, look, Nobody needs uh, another Ridge Consulting uh, training course here, okay? There's enough out there. Um, and everybody's really focused on the high end, okay? There's a lot of training for channel strategists and, and that, uh, that high end. But the lower end is just completely neglected. Nobody is teaching the fundamentals. The universities aren't teaching it. Um, and a lot of the channel management and a lot of stuff at the channel partners is happening where people simply fall into the channel profession and that's not good enough. And we need to start, in fact, it's not a profession. We need to make it a profession. There's an institute for everything from uh, marketing, content marketing, digital marketing, but there's nothing for the channel business profession. And we have the content for this. We have uh, the drive to, to spearhead this, but we will only do it if you all come on board. There's no point in this being a Mike Kelly gig. There's no point in this being a rich consulting thing. This has to be an industry-wide initiative if it's worth doing at all, because that's what will give it teeth. That's what will give it credibility. So if we're going to do this, you at the major technology employers, you Microsoft, Cisco's, Oracle's, Dell's, IBM's, all of you have got to come on board and have somebody who will join our industry advisory council. You've got to review and approve the syllabus, the content, and give us the thumbs up that we're really hitting the mark here so that when people take our courses, they'll know that this has real credibility, that this really is a tech industry-wide initiative. It's not just one company uh, saying that they know what they're talking about. And fair play to, to the vendors they came on board and we have this industry advisory council now. Uh, They've been enormously helpful and it's also um, given 
the Channel Institute the credibility that it needs. Uh, we're also then crowdsourcing a lot uh, of stuff. So we run, run a lot of joint webinars with other companies that are in the channel business just to try to bring best practices to especially that foundational level. People who are maybe they're 10 years in channels, maybe they're only one year in channels, but to bring them the training that they really need to move to the next level. Well, you're addressing a, a major pain in the industry, that skills gap that you find in the channel. And I've seen this in every channel chief role I've had and have spent a lot of time coaching and trying to bring up the skill set of the channel account managers and channel marketing staff. Because you're right, a lot of times, there, well, there is no professional course they can take up till now uh, or no career path. They often step into this from other roles and have to do it you know, on the job training and it's interesting that you've put this together. So you started this in 17, two years ago? Yeah, you know, and it's really just over the past year. So this is, you know, very early. And it's something that a lot of people say to us, you know, they're quite surprised. Oh, you're only one year old. Well, at least it's one year old. At least this is happening now. Um, that, you know, we're, we're trying to spearhead this. We're trying to uh, really build momentum. Um, and, and it is happening and it's happening on a wider level now. We're starting to see more universities pick up on it. We have our own partnership with Emory University, for example. We're always looking for other university partners. Uh, we're looking always to partner with the vendor training academies um, because what we're seeing is up till now, the only training available, if there was any at all, was typically within a, a vendor academy. But I guess what our alumni are saying is, well, that's not really enough. We've, we've got careers to progress here. And just because I've done some course at my employer, that doesn't necessarily translate to anything at all if, if I move somewhere else. Um, so at an individual's level, at their professional and career development, they want something that is third-party certification that's recognized industry-wide. The other thing that we're trying to do is we really stick to the knitting. We, we, we are focused on the fundamentals and we're trying to find ways to dovetail into other people's courses. So, you know, it's the Channel Institute doesn't want to own the whole world. That's, that's not what this is about. It really is about bringing the fundamentals to people and then providing them with career paths uh, into other courses. So that's something that we're trying to do at the moment is reach out to other training uh, organizations or consulting companies um, and add them to our uh, further education piece on our website so that people know where they can go once they have become certified with us. Who is your target customer than the target audience that you are looking for who would benefit the most from your training? Yeah, there are three. Uh, so number one, there's channel, channel managers themselves. Um, so we have a certificate in channel management. We'll be launching the certificate in channel sales next month. Then there's the channel marketers. Uh, so we already have the certificate in channel marketing and we have the certificate in digital co-marketing, which is a real challenge for, for a lot of marketers. And then the channel partners as well. Um, what a lot of the vendors are really struggling about allocating funds to channel partners because they still rely on the old traditionals like events and like email marketing and, and all that good stuff. And we all know that digital is where it's going, but so many of the channel partners simply don't have the skill sets to take advantage of that. And what 
you know, many of, of the um, defenders are saying is, well, look, before we give certainly any discretionary funding, any MDF funding to a channel partner, somebody at that channel partner must have accreditation in digital co-marketing with the Channel Institute. So it's been an interesting sort of barrier to entry um, or also a foothold for partners to win more discretionary funding from their vendors. Yeah, that's always a, a issue with the, the partners not having that marketing skill set or marketing talent to go ahead and execute effectively on well, all the, the marketing support that they get. It, it, it is, but what's been really interesting is that we've had a number of you know what you would call gold star technology vendors coming to us and saying, we have our own internal training academies for our channel marketing people. However, with conversations with them, we know that they don't have the confidence to go to a channel partner and direct them on how to develop a digital co-marketing uh, campaign. So they're coming to us saying, okay, we need to send our, our own channel marketing people on your certificate in digital co-marketing to give them the confidence and the tools and the frameworks uh, to go to our partners and get them moving on this because we're simply not hitting our digital co-marketing quotas. So that was something that we hadn't foreseen, but it's a reality in the industry right now. Another question for you on the channel sales side. Uh, I want to see what side of the aisle you, you're sitting on with your training. There are several schools of thought on the role of the channel manager, and one sits much more heavily on the advisory, consultant, business planning side with the partners, and really their, their core focus and maybe sole focus is with the partner. Other people have the philosophy, no, he's got to be much more of a salesperson out there doing deals with the partners, teaching them how to hunt, how to fish, and be much more transactional-oriented. Which side of the camp does your training fall on? It doesn't. Um, so, you know, as of today, we have the certificate in channel management, and that feeds much more into the, the former outline that you gave. The latter one will be addressed by the certificate in channel sales, uh, and that's under development now. It's being reviewed by the Industry Advisory Council, and that will be released uh, either next month or in March. So, um, you know, we, I guess we see both. Um, first of all, of course, you've got to hit your numbers. And that means you've got to have that skill set. And that's what's addressed by the certificate and channel sales. However, you also have to be able to build this over the long term. And that means you've got to be able to develop relationships. And you've got to be more strategic with your channel partners in terms of uh, being a business coach, um, even a strategy coach with them. And you also have to understand the workings within your own organization, which means you have to understand the differences between uh, different incentive schemes and, and MDF versus co-op and so on. So that's all addressed by the certificate and channel management. So I think from a short-term perspective, you've got to hit your quarterly numbers or you're going to get fired. That's sales. But in terms of long-term success, development, growth, uh, and even channel partner recruitment, that falls into the channel management camp. Yeah, and that's it's difficult when you're sitting in that channel account manager seat because you do have different priorities and things pulling at you and different expectations. Well, it's, it's even more difficult when you're just dropped in at the deep end by your employer and where you're not getting any training at all. So we actually see a lot of people coming uh, and taking our courses and they're paying for it out of their own pocket. Now, that's not good enough. Um, so you've got to ask, you know, what are how how seriously are employers taking the channel um, as 
a route to market if they won't even pay um, for their own staff's training. And, you know, we're, we're deliberately pricing our courses very low compared to, you know, what's out there in terms of face-to-face workshops. So it's less than $2,000 to get one of your, your team members uh, accredited here and put them through a full training course. If you can't spend that on your own staff, then really should you be in channels at all? Maybe you should just go direct. Time to buck up. That's right. And are, are your uh, customers, your students uh, around the globe? Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, I guess 50% is North America, um, but then evenly spread around Europe, Asia, Pac, Latin America. What's the biggest challenge you've faced in launching this business and, and making it be as successful as you'd like? The standard thing that, that you know, any business strategist will, will tell you not to do, don't be a small company trying to teach a religion. And what are we? You know, we're a dozen, a team of a dozen here who are trying to teach a religion globally. Um, and that's that, you know, we knew this getting into it. And, and it's something that we asked ourselves, do we really want to take this on? This is the fundamental flaw of any business. Why would we do this? Um, but we're doing it because it's the right thing to do. Uh, we're trying to get as many people behind us uh, to help us with this as possible um, and get that groundswell going. But that's the biggest thing. There is no latent demand here um, because when people think about channel management, channel marketing, they're just offshoots of marketing. They're just offshoots of sales. Whereas we're saying and, and that our supporters are saying, no, this must become a profession in its own right. And the only way of doing that is to start accrediting people and establishing a standard globally. Uh, so that's been the biggest challenge, but that's okay. Well, the, your description of a small team trying to teach a religion describes just about every channel team in every company around the globe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, it, 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 you're absolutely right. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess, I guess this... The Channel Institute's been seen as something of a focal point, at least, that people can rally around um, and you try to try to come together to achieve that that one goal. That makes me think of something else. The role of a channel chief, many times we're, we're spending a lot of time evangelizing within the company and defending the channel and, and promoting the channel. Are you thinking about any types of training for the non-channel folks in a company to help educate them on the channel? Yeah, you know, that's, that's an interesting one, and it's, it has been, been brought up. Um, maybe, but further down the road. Uh, yeah. I think r- right now we, uh, again, I'm a marketing guy, so I keep using the same phrase. I think it was Ted Levitt, stick to the knitting. Um, and that really is our goal right now. It, is there a role to educate the field salespeople uh, around this? Yeah, of course there is, because that's where channel conflict often stems from. Um, but look, uh, one, one challenge at a time, I think. Well, yeah, you have got to stick to your knitting. And I was just thinking, too, it's it's a bit self-fulfilling and the proof is in the pudding. So if you're developing more effective channel managers, more effective channel sales managers, more effective channel marketing folks who drive better results, they're going to gain more respect of the rest of the company. And it's going to eliminate some of those defensive conversations. Yeah, you know, I, I think so. Um, but also... it. If all you're doing is sending your channel managers on sales courses, 
Well, that, that's reinforcing exactly the point that you just made. You know, you, you've got to uh, send them on channel specific courses if they're going to fully understand their role. Sending them on a solution selling course that is designed for field salespeople is kind of pointless. Um, sure, send them on that later, but make sure that they at least have the channel fundamentals first so that they can combine the two skill sets. Right, exactly. So I'm, I'm curious, you've been an entrepreneur right from the get-go and, and launched many successful firms here focused on the channel. Who's, who have been your mentors along the way? Nobody, really. There, there, you know, there, there isn't. Uh, you, you've got to, uh, I guess, um, uh, you know, mention Branson, of course, but that's purely because of, of his overall philosophy. Uh, you know, whether he's just a risk taker um, and uh, not, not only in business, but outside of that. So, you know, he's an exciting guy. Um, Richard Branson, he's such an interesting guy, and I love reading his stories and the adventures he's been on. You guys could ought to sit down and <laughs> swap swap adventures of your prop falling off your airplane and his balloon rides. Yeah, exactly. Although, look, he's uh, he's gone uh, uh, interstellar uh, uh, now. He's uh, he's gone into the astronaut side of things. So, um, uh, yeah, look, it, it, he and Elon Musk, of course, are uh, very inspirational. But you know, because of the vision that they have, and because of the the confidence they have to to push that, and their ability to to pull all those resources together. So, um, yeah, I, I I think those sort of guys are uh, just very exciting to watch. Um, they are. Yep. Confidence and audacity. Yeah, and vision. And I think, um, uh, you know, I suppose with Channel Institute, um, we have a vision. We're trying to achieve a vision. It's a uh, certainly a stretch goal. It's a it's a big ask. Um, uh, you know, as they call it, the BHAG, the big, hairy, audacious goal. Um, and I, I really admire um, uh, people like you know Branson and Musk and so on. Um, certainly, their goals are a lot bigger than ours, um, but they're inspirational, and, and I think that's what we all need. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if you listened to my earlier podcast, the first one with Gary Morris. I didn't. I missed that. I know I've spoken with Gary before. Yeah. So Gary, like you, longtime entrepreneur and in the channel, and he told this funny story about being an entrepreneur. He's out cycling with a couple entrepreneurs, and one guy starts sharing a dream about operating it on, on himself and kind of rising above his body and looking down, and he's operating on himself. And he, all, I think all four or five guys that were on this bike ride talking all had had the same dream. Okay, I can't say I have. <laughs> that's, that's an unusual one. I've had some strange ones, but not, not that. So, uh, okay. Well, good. I wanted to test it out and see if every entrepreneur had this dream. Well, if I have that tonight, uh, you're to blame. Uh, I better not have that tonight. That doesn't sound like a particularly pleasant one. Um, so, so, no, I can confirm not every entrepreneur has. I can't confirm it for Musk or, or Branson. <laughs> he never told me whether it was a successful operation or not. I'll have to ask. <laughs> well, listen, it's been really fun chatting with you and learning more about the Channel Institute. Certainly something I think every channel team ought to be checking out, uh, investigating. Um, very easy to find you guys. It's just channelinstitute.com. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Or just Google us, you know, channel management training. You'll, you'll find us straight away. Excellent. Uh, anything that we didn't get a chance to chat about that you wished I had asked? 
No, I don't think so. Um, I, I, you know, I think my wrap up on the Channel Institute is, look, th- this won't be for everybody, um, but it certainly has its place. It's a, a stepping stone on the way. And the most important thing is that I think, you know, we in the industry, in the profession, need to start upping the game here and making it into a profession and not just a uh, a side thing to to sales and, and marketing. Um, so really, the more that we can all come together, whether it's around Channel Institute or something else, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Um, but our vision is that we all start treating the channel profession with a lot more respect and, and all of us trying to up the professionalism uh, within this. And the starting point for that is for new people who are entering uh, the channel profession, you know, let's give them a lot more support. Let's stop just dropping them in at the deep end and, and hoping they'll, they'll swim rather than sink. Yeah, I, I really like that. When I was talking to Jay McBain, he was talking about 2019 being the year where we enter the, the third stage of automation being where automation comes to the channel. You know, it's the, the traditional sales, direct sales has been fully automated. Now we've got to bring all that automation in there. He found over 100 different vendors out there with automation tools. And now's the time to bring that automation. And I love what you're saying. Now's the time to also turn channels into a profession. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, and I've spoken with Jay and I, and I follow his stuff as well and had a similar conversation on that exact point with uh, Channel Marketer Report. And of course, you, you know, I, I did mention, well, it's great to have all this technology, but the problem is the soft skills are not coming with the technology. So uh, everybody's been given all the tools, but nobody really knows how to use them according to best practice. So everyone's getting overwhelmed with the marketing stack and nobody knows what to do with it. So we are in that third wave. Uh, I agree with Jay. And I think we're, we're also going to be in a third wave of headaches uh, because the, the poor teams don't know what to do with this stuff. Well, they have the Channel Institute to help them, right? Well, and hopefully some others, but you know, I think if uh, the more that can come together to solve that problem, the better, because as we all already know, throwing technology at the problem is the same as throwing money at it. It's not enough. Right, right. Well, excellent. Great chat. And I really look forward to meeting with you uh, to hear about more of those adventures. I'm an adventure. <laughs> I love adventures and I love hearing about other people's adventures. Absolutely, Rob. Look, next time you're here, the pints of Guinness are on me. Awesome. Look forward to it. All right. (laughs) Thank you. And thanks everyone for listening. All right. Cheers. Bye. Wow. That was such a fun interview. The only thing that would have made it more fun, I think, is if I could have sat down face to face with Mike in an Irish pub in Dublin. You know, turning channels into a profession is a big, hairy, audacious goal. And I hope you'll join us in this mission. One way you can do that is to share this podcast with your channel friends and your channel colleagues. And please subscribe. Channel Journeys is now available on my website, channeljourneys.com, as well as on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. I learned yesterday it's even available on a podcast app called Pocket Casts. And join me next week for an interview with another guest from across the pond. I'll be talking with Jackie Rand, who is the founder of Channelizer, and she is the author of a brand new book for channel marketers. Until then, make yours a great channel journey. Thanks for listening to Channel Journeys. For show notes and other Channel Journey podcasts, visit channeljourneys.com. If you liked today's show, please forward it to your channel friends and be sure to tune in for Rob's next channel adventure.